Thank you, Brother Steve. Really appreciate Brother Steve leading us in our song service this evening. I know he would do well singing a solo, but he doesn't have to do that because you join in in such a wonderful way and what an encouragement it is, what a joy it is to be able to sing. The Bible says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Steve, thank you very, very much. I love to sing, and I love it when congregations sing. Uh, I, I think we're all the same for four or five days and then preach four or five days. And so uh, you always do such a beautiful job, and I want you to know how much I enjoy it. It's great to be with you. I really express my appreciation again to the elders of the congregation uh, for the invitation that they have given to me to be with you this week. I always love coming to be with the Bobby Branch congregation. As a matter of fact, I just love coming to McMinnville. I'm telling you, to come to Warren County, uh, this is my second home and probably my uh, next home maybe someday. I might retire and come to McMinnville and, uh, when I'm about 95 years of age and see if I can find a congregation up here to preach. And uh, I've got a meeting scheduled, incidentally, uh, and I hope all of you will come. I, I believe it would just be tremendous. I have a meeting scheduled on my 100th birthday in Warren County. Uh, and uh, Brother Northcutt, somewhere here in the audience, yeah, one of the elders out of Trousdale, uh, they have booked that meeting for 2040. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be 100. So I said, I said I wanted to preach on my 100th birthday. And uh, I was out at Trousdale in preaching and the meeting and uh, made the comment out there. And they said, well, here's what we're going to book you right now uh, for 2040. So I'm expecting all of you to come uh, at just one time. Uh, I'll need some help getting on the pulpit. And Tony will be glad to help hold me up. Uh, but at uh, any rate, uh, I love coming to this county. And I thank you very, very much. You know, it's great. I, I, the, the friendliness and the warmth of the congregation uh, and the people of this county, and man, ladies, and if you if you cook, gentlemen, if you cook as well, do you? Boy, the the meal yesterday was delicious, and again this evening, uh, you know, Tony, I don't know, you know, old enough to remember this, maybe, but we used to judge meetings by the number of responses, you know, and and uh, we used to write it up in the Advocate, you know, in the back of the Gospel Advocate, and a preacher would go hold a meeting, he said, well, I had so many restorations and so many baptisms and so forth. Now we judge meetings by the amount of weight the preacher gains while he is there. Uh, this is going to be about 25 pounds, I figure. And so uh, we want you folks to know how much we really appreciate, I do, uh, the meals that you have prepared and the fellowship that we enjoy together. In our assembly tonight, I, I would love to just go down uh, both sides of the auditorium. There's so many of you whom I know. I've uh, been a part of our lives in so many, many ways, and I want you to know what a blessing it is to have you in our assembly tonight, especially uh, Louis and Vivian Noakes and their daughter Sue, uh, their friends, the DeBerrys, they're over in uh, Murfreesboro. Uh, I'm going to, I mean, so many good things I could tell you about this wonderful family and what they have meant uh, to us as a family and to the work of the Lord uh, wherever they have been. Uh, we're glad to have you guys. It's a great blessing and a pleasure. Uh, I remember we were, we, they were part of the Allen Park Church in Allen Park, Michigan, uh, when we preached there, uh, when I was there. And, uh, you know what? I'll never forget the time. You know, that was when the gas, we had a gas crunch. You remember? And I, we, we had driven down from Flint to visit with them, and I didn't have enough gas to get back to Flint. 
Louis let me have his car. Now, I want to tell you, to get a hold of Louis' car, uh, you had to be pretty good. Uh, I mean, he washed it every day, I believe. But uh, we're glad to have you folks in our assembly tonight. It's a joy uh, to have each one of you, and thank you so very much. Uh, Brother uh, Pryor, Bruce Pryor, he's with the Tennessee Highway Patrol. I don't know. Now, I've helped support them for a long time, uh, you know, and... and <laughs> I do not know uh, that this was Brother Pryor exactly, but there was a fellow, man, he was speeding down the expressway. And uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol pulled in, turned the blue lights on, you know, and pulled the old boy over. And uh, he said, sir, he said, you're speeding. He said, what, what's going on? How come you're driving so fast? He said, officer, oh, I really wasn't speeding. I was just trying to keep up with the traffic. And the highway patrolman said, look, man, there's not a car within a mile of you. He said, see how far I am behind? And so, uh, you know, you're not behind. You're out there working, uh, doing so many things for the cause of Christ, and uh, what an encouragement that is. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, I know all of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Jesus asked the question. He said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some said, well, thou art John the Baptist, or Elias, or one of the prophets. And you and I remember that Jesus said to Peter and to the apostles, Who do you say that I am? And Peter gave an answer on that occasion. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You and I, if we go back to the Old Testament, we read in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 2, as well as in the book of Malachi, the Bible says that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountain, and that all nations shall flow unto it. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord shall go forth from Zion or from Jerusalem. When you and I read in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 44, and the Bible says that in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. When you and I again read in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter number 5, and the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In the book of Ephesians chapter number 3, the Bible says, Unto him be glory in the church. In Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Paul said, I know that after my departing, grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. As you and I look at these passages of Scripture out of the New Testament, we must be impressed with the love that God has for his kingdom the love that Jesus Christ has for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet it seems today that we live in a world when the church seems to be something that is flippant in the minds of individuals. And so tonight, as you and I look at this particular topic, and we look at the phrase, Upon this rock 
I will build my church. I believe most everyone in this assembly tonight is familiar with Matthew 16. And you said, well, now, Brother Acuff, we've heard sermons on the church uh, over and over again. Well, listen, the Bible says, I stir up your pure minds. Second Peter chapter number 3, Peter said, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Why do we need to remember it? Because men soon forget. If you go back to the Old Testament, you remember, the Bible says that there arose a king. He did not recognize who Joseph was or his family. You and I know that it only takes one generation in order for the church not to have the impact or the influence that it ought to have. Oh, you and I say, well, I believe in the body of Christ. I believe in the church. I'm simply asking the question tonight, is it not something that you and I need to emphasize, not only in our life, but in the lives of our children, in the lives of our Bible school program, in the lives of those who live in our community? There is a large diversity in our world today regarding the church. It is amazing. If you do a survey between those who are 18 uh, to about 34 years of age, there was a time even when that group recognized that the church had some benefit. But today that is no longer true. That percentage seems to be going down as to the number of individuals who look at the church as being something important in their lives. Many of them never even read the Bible. Many of them do not have any idea what the Scriptures are teaching. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 1, the Bible says, God who in sundry times in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us through His Son. When you and I turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9, and the Bible says where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. We know that Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross and ushered in the New Testament that you and I can follow this evening. We're going to look at that point a little bit more in just a few minutes. And you and I look at this lesson. Now, we do not have time to cover every one of these points, uh, I mean, with a five or ten minute, uh, ten minute lesson. But we need to understand that there is a foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If you and I turn to Peter, we find that Peter makes this statement in 1 Peter chapter number 2, and he talks about that chief cornerstone, and he said that we are lively stones, we have built up a spiritual house, and we know that Christ is that cornerstone. When you and I look at the right builder, it's interesting because you want the right builder. Well, we built a new auditorium at the uh, Lithia Springs Congregation last year. Uh, and so when we began to talk about building, we, I mean, we talked about building for years. And we, I mean, we looked at every plan. And so when the time came, we said, now, who are we going to get to build this building? Well, there was a contractor whom we knew, and we knew the buildings that he had built. We knew that he was honest. We knew that he would do what he would say he would do. We knew that he would build our building based on the plans that he was given. And so, therefore, we contracted with him. When you and I have the right builder, we know that the building is going to be stable. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The right strength. Why? Because it is built on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Therefore, we know that it's going to be strong. Not only that, but the church is defined. How many times do you hear somebody say this? 
They'll say, well, now, uh, you know, I, I can worship God and uh, I can be at home and I can sit in my rocking chair, you know. Really? The Bible talks about the church as being the ecclesia. Many of you know this. It is the called out. If you turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, just make a note of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 through 34, when Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he talks to them about the church four times in those passages of Scripture, four times he talks about the church coming together. Now, this idea that I can just, I, I just be by myself is contrary to what the New Testament is teaching us. Now, we look at the church characterized. What does it do? Well, the Bible says to the intent now that under principalities and powers might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I want to ask you a question. You and I look at a world and we live in a world of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's no man upon this earth that doeth good and sinneth not. You and I look out into a world, Paul describes in Romans chapter 1, a world that God at that time, in Romans 1, that He had given over to vile affections. He had given up to a reprobate mind. And so when you and I look at that, then who's going to make a difference? Who's going to make the difference in uh, the Atlanta area? Who's going to make a difference in Warren County? Who's going to make a difference in the state of Tennessee? I suggest to you tonight, my friend, that it is the church of the living God. It is the church, the body of Christ, and the character of that church that stands for what is right, that is ethical in its dealings, and it is characterized by being the body of Jesus Christ. The church established. It had a beginning. You know, it's kind of interesting. If you're here tonight and you're not a part of the church of Christ, I ask you to ask yourself this question. If you are a part tonight of a denominational group, ask yourself, when did that group begin? Uh, one of our members handed me a little book uh, last week, and he said, Larry, uh, I've been in discussion with a fellow in the church, and uh, he wanted me to read this book. And uh, he says that they had their beginning uh, on the day of Pentecost uh, just as we did. Well, they did not, because on the very third page of that book, they talk about their beginning in about 1589. Now, if your quotation your church began... Any time after A.D. 33, it's too young. If you are following a pattern that goes back to the Old Testament and you are endeavoring to follow that Old Testament law, your church, my friend, is too old. We know, as we read and study the Bible, the church had its beginning on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Jews, Medes, Parthian, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia... The Bible said every man heard him speak in his own tongue wherein he was born. Go back to Isaiah. Isaiah said, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountain. This is what he said. And all nations shall flow unto it. 
And the word of the Lord shall go forth from Zion, from Jerusalem. And so we come down some 850 years later. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And there were dwelling there, what Jews, devout men, out of where? Every nation under heaven. And the Bible said every man heard him speak in his own tongue wherein he was born. And Peter standing up with the Oh, they said these men are drunk. Oh, no, no. Peter said these men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel chapter number 2. And on that day, Peter made the announcement, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by you in the midst of, or which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel. What did you do? You crucified the Son of God. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, King James Version. And the Bible says that on that day 3,000 were added to them. And then in verse 47, for the first time, for the first time, the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Oh, there's a brother, what are they? The, 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 the kingdom has not been established. Oh, no. Well, then I want you to answer a question for me. In Mark 9, verse number 1, the Bible said, Jesus said, There be some of you standing here who will not taste of death until you see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, I've seen a few folks in my lifetime that look like they may have been a couple thousand years old, but I don't think that's true. There's not anyone that I... I mean, what do we find recently? Uh, someone who deceased, they were 115. Jesus said, there's some of you standing here. You will not die until you see the kingdom of God come. Therefore, the kingdom of God is here today. The Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. You and I know that the church is visible. There are those who like to think, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're kind of like the, the, the silent majority. No, it's not a part of that. It's kind of, it's kind of like the uh, little boy uh, was told to the preacher out in the vestibule of the church building. And uh, there was a plaque out there. And on that plaque, there were names. And the little boy asked the preacher, said, uh, Sir, said, uh, said what these names back here? said, what, what, what are they there? And the preacher said, Well, those are, those are our members who died uh, in service. The little boy said, the morning or evening? And so, uh, you know, it's not a matter of dying in the morning or the evening service. The church is visible. That we need to have an impact. That we need to have a determination. That we need to have the drive in order for our communities to know what we are endeavoring to do. The church triumphant. I love the study of the book of Revelation. 
When you come down to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and John said, I, I, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth will pass away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard this loud voice, this great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will be their God, and they shall be His people, and He shall wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, neither crying, for the former things are passed away. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20, John said, I saw a great white throne in Him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. My friend, you and I can be triumphant in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we look at Matthew 16, 13 through 18. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. I want you to look at some things here for a second. Whom do men say that I am? There's a, a new translation that came out today. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this. A Nelson Bible Company, whatever, in Nashville. They came out with a new translation today. Now, I don't have a copy of it. I just read about it. It's called The Voice. And so what they have done in this new translation, they have taken, for an example, you will not read in this new translation, you will not read the phrase or the words, Jesus Christ. Because they said, well, that leaves the wrong, uh, you know, the word. People, and here's why we left it out. Because people think the word Christ is the last name of Jesus. And so what they have done, they have translated. Anytime the word Christ is used in this new translation, uh, it's basically uh, the anointed one or the king or something to that effect. Uh, they do not refer to men as apostles. They are referred to as emissaries. Now I want to tell you this. And here's an, they go back to John chapter number 1, and when John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word. They just simply say, In the beginning was the voice, and the voice was God. I want to tell you what it will do right quick. It will leave the idea and the impression in the minds and hearts of individuals that God is speaking directly to man. And so what we have tried to... what well, who See, what man has done, man has said, we're going to take the Scripture. And I mean, they've tried this. They've tried it with a new international version. And they brought an update of that out recently in which they point out uh, Paul's words to Timothy about a woman not to usurp the authority over the man. They took that word usurp out. And left the impression that if the, if the elders of this congregation gave permission to a lady to stand in the pulpit and preach, it would not violate the principles of New Testament Christianity. See, that's what men say. That's what men do. And so Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, of Son of Man am? There are three answers, three, three basic concepts here. Humanity, heaven, and hearts. When you and I look at this and we ask the question uh, about humanity, what did men say in the past? 
See, on that occasion, some said, well, thou art John the Baptist. Go to Matthew chapter number 14, verses 1 and 2. And John was kept in prison. And as a matter of fact, in a matter of a few hours, his head was gone. And so what they said is, now what, is this John the Baptist who has come back? Oh, oh no, wait a minute. Malachi, in Malachi 4 verse 5, talks about Elijah. Uh, now who do men say that? Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias or uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, who, who do men say that I am? What are men saying about Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Uh, a lowly carpenter? Oh, is not this is not this the carpenter's son in Mark six three? Uh, you know uh, we, we've got we. I mean, he points out later on that his family is right here with us. Uh, he is uh, is he is not is not this the son of Joseph? John six forty two. Uh, in John nine twenty four, you know what they said? They said Jesus Christ was a sinner, in spite of the fact that Hebrews says that He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Now, the simple fact that men say He is a sinner, He is John the Baptist, He is Elias, He is Jeremiah, or He's one of the prophets, my friend, does not make it so. See, man can say many things. See, not everyone thought Jesus was a great man. You and I know because we read from the pages of the Holy Word of God and we read what Jesus did. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. But yet not everyone in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ thought that. As a matter of fact, in John chapter number 8, you ought to study that chapter because, oh, they were saying, hey, oh, uh, now, now, we got Abraham's, our father. Uh-huh. Jesus said, uh-uh. Oh, no. Abraham's not your father. You are of the devil. He was a liar. He was a liar from... That's your father. And so what did they did? What did they do? Go down in verse number 41 of John chapter number 8. And you know what they said? They said, we've got Abraham's our father. We were not born of fornication. That's what they implied about Jesus. They implied in that statement that Jesus was an illegitimate child. In Matthew 12 and verse number 24, uh, Jesus was casting out death. And they said, He does this by Beelzebub. He's a devil. Not only that, but in John 10 and verse number 20, you know what they accused you? They said, He's a madman. So when you and I look at this, they referred to him as a fool and an object of contempt and scorn. Read Matthew 27. Uh, and when our Lord was crucified, and how they spit on his face, how they put a crown of thorns upon his head, how they put that robe around him and given him a wreath. I love the description that Brother V.P. Black made in many of his sermons. And he, they beat him, he said, until his shoulder blades looked like white sea caps or white caps in a sea of blood. That's what they thought about Jesus. Not only that, his half-brothers had some very harsh things to say about our Lord in John 7, 3-5. And so we asked, so what, did, what, does human, what, did men, what did men say about Jesus Christ? Now let's go to today. Uh, what do men say in the present? I want you to look at a couple of things. Number one, the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Here's what they say. Michael the archangel is no other than the only begotten Son of God, now Jesus Christ. See, they have their own translation. And so when you, when you study with their translation what they have done, they have taken out the divinity of Jesus Christ. I had, a, I had a, a, one of our members call me one day and he said, Brother Acuff, I, I, I'm, I'm having a Bible study. Can you come up here and help me? He was a young Christian. But he had enough intelligence about him. Uh, he's a very fine young man to call somebody to help him out. So I went up there. And, and here were three fellows sitting there. And they said, well, now, we, we want to study the Bible. So I'll be happy to study the Bible with you. I'll study the Bible with you under one condition. And that is that you get you a copy of the King James Version of the Bible, and I'll bring mine, and that's all we're going to use. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be all. We'll do that. Yeah. That's been a year ago, and they had not shown up yet. Why? Because there are those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, Look at the Mormons. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden. Well, who was that? Was that not the devil? And who is our Father in heaven? So, you and I go back to the New Testament, the day that Jesus said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and they're saying, well, thou art Elias or Jeremiah or John the Baptist or a prophet or uh, a devil or a liar or an illegitimate child. And you and I come down today, what do we have? We have some of the same thing. Jesus was married at Cana of Galilee and had many wives, including Mary and Martha. He also had man children. That's what the world's saying. The Moonies. I don't know if you ever remember these folks or not. He can by no means be God Himself. Now, my friend, listen to this. In order to get these ideas or concepts, Islam says Jesus was no more than a mortal whom Allah favored and made example of the Israelites. Now, I'll tell you to get that. You must completely reject the Holy Word of God. Just reject it. See, it doesn't mean anything. You and I are living in what is referred to as the postmodern world. Now let's ask heaven. We ask humanity, who do men say that I am? But now when we ask heaven about this same thing, the sovereign God Himself. In Matthew chapter number 3 and verse 17, you remember when our Lord was baptized of John in the Jordan, the Bible said the Spirit of God descended on Him in the form of a dove, and a voice came out of heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Go to Matthew chapter number 17, the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John is with our Lord, and He is transfigured before them. And Peter said, Lord, it's been good for us to be here today. Let's build three tabernacles, one to Moses, one to Elijah, and one to Christ. And a voice came out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. What did God say? He's my Son. If you go to Matthew chapter number 1, verses 18 through 25, and the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, thou shalt bring forth a child, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what humanity has said. In the Scriptures, what do we read? In Isaiah 9, verse 6, He shall be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Of God. 
That's what you, or heaven says. Acts 9 verse 20. We find again that when Peter and the apostles and Paul, you remember this? In Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the road to Damascus and he sees it. Who art thou, Lord? He didn't have any problem recognizing who Jesus was. Huh. I heard a preacher tell one time that a lady, lady said, I saw the Lord. And the preacher said, well, what did he look like? She said, well, he had long white hair. Said he had a white beard. Said he had on a white suit. Preacher said, honey, you didn't see the Lord. You saw Colonel Sanders. And you know, uh, I think that's what a lot of folks have the idea. See, when you read in Acts chapter number 9, we know that Paul saw the Lord on that occasion. Now, the Savior Himself makes a statement. He said, I and my Father are one in John 10 verse 30. I and my Father, what are we? I and my Father are one. Listen to what in John 8 and verse 58. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. I existed before Abraham did. In John 10, He said, I am the Son of God. And so what do we do? We go back and Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? Some said, Well, John the Baptist and so forth. And then we find out what the Bible tells us that what heaven has said. But now let's follow up. What about our hearts? In other words, the simple question is, What about us? Or what about men? You and I can turn to the Bible and Simeon in Luke chapter 2 and verse 28 through 32. You remember after the birth of Jesus, he said, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. You and I know about Nathaniel, John 1 verse 49. We also know about Simon Peter. And he made the statement, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know about the woman at the well. Jesus, I mean, he tells her a lot of things. She he asked her a question, Where are you, where's your husband? Oh, got five husbands. One they've married to down, your husband. Wow. She runs. I mean, she's all excited. She runs into the city and she said, I met a man out there who told me everything about my life. Now, I paraphrase that. She met Jesus. He told me everything about my life. Martha, you remember when Lazarus had died and Jesus goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Martha, Lord, we know that you are the resurrection and the life. What about the dying thief? In the book of Luke, chapter number 23, two thieves. And one of them was railing. He said, man, you ought to keep your mouth shut. Now, you've got to know Greek to get it that way. You've got to keep your mouth shut. This man didn't do anything. He said, we are guilty. We have done... We, 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 this man didn't do it. And then he turned to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This day, Jesus said, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Thomas, my Lord and my God. Oh, I'm not going to believe until I feel the prince. My Lord and my God. The Roman centurion said, Truly this was the Son of God. Now then, as we've looked at these, that's all an introduction. I'm going to preach now. What about your heart? Is he just the baby at Christmas? Or a guy on the cross at Easter? 
Or is he the crucified and risen Lord of your life? Oh, 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 there are folks and they'll cry and slobber at the, at the feet of the cradle of Jesus in the manger and never darken the door of a church building to ever worship God in spirit and in truth. Oh, they get all excited when there's some big holiday. Is he a good man? A great teacher? A prophet? Or is he the Son of God? Your only hope of salvation. See, the question is, and we sing this, we sing this song sometimes, what will you do with Jesus? The question comes to you, and you must give an answer. Is he a liar, a lunatic, or is he the Lord of your life? What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And question asked by Pilate. Now, there are three things, and then we're going to conclude our lesson tonight. When you and I look at Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we see authority, we see identity, and we see sustainability. When you and I look at this, and we see this authority, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has given us His Word, and therefore, you and I, He has, He, he died on the cross. He ushered in, this is His last will and testament. He died for the church. I own a house. Now, you come down to uh, Lithia or to uh, Douglasville, Georgia, we would be delighted to have you come visit with us. Six Flags is just down the road, and the Braves say in town part of the time, and we got the uh, Hawks, and we got uh, the Falcons, and we had the Thrashers, and somebody run them off. But at any rate, uh, we've got, you come and see them, and you come to our home, we'll be more than glad to have, Now, don't everyone come at once. We'd we have a bad uh, shape at that point. But now I want to tell you, you come and you knock on my door, ring the doorbell. It's my house. Well, it's Janet's too. You come knock on the door. Who's going to let you in? You remember what Jesus said in John? He said, a thief comes to rob and to steal. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. I am the one who has the entrance into my house. <laughs> Y'all, I'm sure you do. You remember when Ned Ray McWhorter was governor of the state of Tennessee? Uh, Jen and I were privileged uh, to know Governor McWhorter. Not, I, if I'd have been in jail, I couldn't have called him. So that will let you know something. But we had an opportunity. Charles Smith, who was the commissioner of education during that time, uh, his dad, Cecil, was one of the elders uh, at the family church where I preached. And so consequently, we had uh, opportunities to go to the governor's mansion and to meet him on several occasions. And I often invited him to attend the family church, and he kept telling me, I'm coming. Well, he never did. But at any rate, I heard the story about Governor McWhorter. Now, whether this is true or not, I do not know. But uh, he was at some kind of a, a barbecue, some kind of they were outside convention or something, and, and they had all the food lined up, and he had his plate. He's going down the line, you know, and, and, get, and so he came. They gave him a, a roll, and they go to, and go to the butter, and there's this lady handing the pad of butter. And Governor McWhorter said, according to the report, uh, Governor McWhorter said, Ma'am, can I have another pad of butter? 
And she said, I'm sorry, sir, but I can only give one pat of butter per person. And he said, do you know who I am? And she said, no, sir, I don't. He said, I am Ned Ray McWhorter. I am governor of the state of Tennessee. She said, sir, do you know who I am? And he said, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, I'm the one in charge of the butter, and you only get one. <laughs> See, you come to my house, I give the entrance. In the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, set the terms of entrance into His kingdom. You hear the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. Not only that, but you repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You confess the name of Jesus before men. The Bible says, with the heart men believe in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father. Which is, I want you to think about that. Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me. Can you imagine this, my friend? That the day is going to come. Listen, in Psalm 23, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Bible says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The hand of Jesus is going to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. And Jesus Christ Himself said, I will confess you before my Father. If I confess Him before men here. Now, the entrance is hearing the Word of God and believing it, repenting, confessing, and being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sin. He has set the terms of worship. How many times have you heard this statement? Now, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow night. Our lesson is entitled, The Danger of Assuming. How many times have you heard somebody say, Well, now, now, Brother Acuff, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think God would send a, a anybody to hell because uh, they didn't worship the way you do. Well, it doesn't matter how I do. It's a matter of what the Bible says. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I must worship based on the instructions that I have been given in the Holy Word of God. Organization. God set the terms of the organization of His body. Elders, presbyters, bishops, overseers, pastors, all plural, have the responsibility. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves unto them, for they watch for your souls as those that must give an account. All the, oh no, all the world says, well, now, now, Brother Acuff, you've run into some guy and he's about 22 years old and never been married. And you go into a hospital and you're going to visit somebody and somebody's got a friend and they've called their, quotation mark, their pastor. Now, I don't do this. Sometimes I've been tempted. And, and I'm going in and somebody said, oh, now, now, the, uh, I, I'm pastor so-and-so of a certain religious group. Say that again. I'm pastor. Hmm. How old are you? I'm 24 years old. 
Hey, are you married? No. You have any kids? Hopefully not. No. How can you be a pastor? Because the Bible says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be husband, one wife, children, not a novice. How do we know that? Because God, through His Son Jesus Christ, has set the terms of organization. Now I want you to look at the identity real quick. And that is the name of Jesus. The Bible says, Wherefore God hath all highly exalted Him, and give Him a name which is above every name. I'm going to tell you, I get so upset, I could eat nails. There's this publication printed by, quotation marks, Our Liberal Brethren. They recently had an article. And they're saying, well, now, uh, we got a lot of young people, and, 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 and they, they, they've kind of quit the church, and they, they don't want to be... And, and, and you begin to read the article. Well, why have they quit? Well, now, they don't lie. They, they, they think the name Church of Christ is denomination. I want to grab hold of them and ask them a question. Are you ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? You'd rather have some community name out here, some community church, or you'd rather put somebody else's name on it. The Bible says has given Him a name which is above every name. The Bible teaches us that salvation, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Peter said in Acts 2.21, shall be saved. Then Peter said, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Or Romans 16, 16. You, you talk about identity theft. The world has stolen the name of God. How do I know? Turn your television on. Have you ever seen this program, uh, Extreme Makeover, I believe it is, where they build a tear down house, build it, redo it? And they take the family away for a week or two and, and they bring them back on this bus and, and they open the door and they bring them out and, and they see it. And what do they start doing? Oh my God. Fifty times. Did you know the most prevalent initials in texting today is O-M-G? Why? Because they've stolen the name of the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church is His. No, it's not a denominational name. It is a name that identifies the church of our Lord. And then, you remember we said in Philippians 2, 9, giving Him a name which is above there, at the name of Jesus, Paul writes in verse 10, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. We worship in His name. Matthew 18, 20, two or three gathered together in My name. There I am in the midst of them. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 12. In our service. You know what the Bible says? I want to ask, I'd like to ask some of these folks a question. Oh, they wonder, well now, now we do good. We do, we do so much good. We do, we do a lot of good. Yeah? Who gets the glory? Well, uh, do you give it in the name of Jesus? No, we give it in the name of whatever the name of our church is. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water... In whose name? Not Larry Acuff's. In my name, you'll not lose your reward. 
Now then, my friend, authority, identity, sustainability. What do we have? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't care how powerful the devil says he is. I don't care, my friend. I don't care what the world says about the body of Jesus Christ. They will never be able to destroy the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, the Bible says the end shall come. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom unto God, even the Father. I'm going to ask you tonight. Are you in the church? I love those old cartoons now. Uh, I'm only 45 years old, and you can tell by the way I look. And, uh, you know, back years ago, they had these cartoons, Superman cartoons. Now I used to love to watch those. And, and the, the heroine, she, you know, they've captured her and they, they've strapped her down and lay, they, she's laying on the railroad track. Y'all remember any of those? And, and, and Superman, woo, here comes. And the train, come, train come down the track. Superman flies in and he lifts up that train and sets it down on the other side of the woman who's going to die if it runs over. I think of the church like that. The end shall come. I'm in the church. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Are you in the kingdom? Don't you want to be in the kingdom tonight? If so, come now. While together we stand and sing this invitation song.